Welcome to the audio podcast ministry of the Presbyterian Church of Chestertown. I'm Reverend Joel Talbert, one of the pastors here, along with Reverend Caitlin Gartland, and we are so honored to share this week's message with you. If you'd like to know more about Presbyterian Chestertown, please visit our website, presbyterianchestertown.org. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, let's hear this week's scripture and sermon. Today's gospel is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. This section is called the Beatitudes Often, and Caitlin and I will be preaching the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount for three Sundays. Today is the first of those three. Now, most of Matthew up to this point has been about Jesus. We've heard about Jesus' family tree. We've heard from the angels, from Joseph and Mary getting ready for Jesus. We've heard about the wise ones and about Herod hunting for Jesus. We've heard how Jesus went to John the Baptist and how that went. And we heard how Jesus ran to the wilderness and survived some tests and temptations there and how that went. We've even heard about Jesus coming back and beginning to preach in some of the synagogues about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus beginning to build some disciples, gather some disciples, but only four at this point so far. And then even Jesus goes out into the streets and starts gathering up some crowds of people who are really interested in what Jesus has to say and supposedly his healing power. When we turn the page to Matthew 5, we finally get to hear from Jesus. Not just about him. So let's pray again and then we'll dive into Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. Here we come, God, into your word. Open anything about us that might be closed. Open our hands, our hearts, anything that needs to be opened to and by your word. Get inside us and change us so we look more and more like the ones you created us to be every day. Amen. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, falsely say any kind of evil against you because of me, rejoice. Be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. There's a real danger to preaching the Beatitudes. I'd better be careful. I might give us the impression that Jesus is dangling a carrot out in front of us and cajoling us to be a certain way or to do certain things in order to earn some godly reward. Come on, people. Let's be meek and humble. Let's be merciful. 
and forgiving. Let's be peacemakers. I'll make it worth your while. If we eat down that road, we might falsely hear Jesus' words as a quid pro quo. Oh, good. We'll have to that. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> See, for those who choose to be humble and forgiving and to make peace, they can be called children of God. They will be shown mercy themselves. They will even inherit the earth. What a bargain. I best be careful. The Beatitudes are not about that. The God we know and worship in Jesus the Christ doesn't cut deals with us. Isn't paying us off or paying us back or giving us rewards if and only if we perform to some unattainable standard like pure in heart. We can be even more confident that the Beatitudes are not about that if we look at the rest of the list. Jesus isn't suggesting we become poor in spirit just so we can earn the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't suggesting we walk around mourning all the time just so we can get God's attention and finally feel comforted. Jesus isn't promoting intentionally seeking out ways to be insulted and be persecuted and lied about just so we can finally achieve kingdom of heaven status. No, the attitudes don't work like that. They're not about that. They aren't about Jesus pushing us or threatening us or cajoling us to certain behaviors or attitudes just so we can earn some reward. Instead, the attitudes are statements of how things really are. Are there any English majors, English teachers, English professors here? Not a one? Okay, there we go. Now they're all required. All right, how about students of foreign languages who have to conjugate verbs? Okay. If you have a question about this part after the sermon, ask me later, not me. The Beatitudes are not in the imperative case. They are not direct commands. Do this, don't do that. They're not in that. They're just in the indicative case. They just state how things really are. They're saying this is how things really work. This is who God really is. This is how God's community, the one that is already and the one that is definitely coming, this is how this stuff really works. In real life, people are sometimes poor in the spirit. And this God knows that. And this God doesn't mind that. That's not a problem. In fact, this God intentionally moves a little closer to those who are poor in spirit, those who are down, those who aren't thinking very much of themselves later. This God notices that. And isn't put off by that. Scooches over toward them sidles up beside them, listens to them, what they're struggling with, and says, okay, yeah, that's tough. You know I love you, right? You know you're one of mine, right? You know you're of infinite value to me, right? In the kingdom of heaven, God gives special attention to the ones the world forgets or avoids, the poor in spirit. 
In real life, in every life, sometimes people mourn. We mourn when things change, we mourn when people leave, we mourn when people die. And we can resist it happening, we can put on a happy face, we can try to do our very best to pretend like it didn't hurt at all. No, it didn't hurt. I'm really happy about that. Oh, this is going to be great. But God knows in real life, people mourn. When things change, when people leave, when people die. And we show that mourning in a variety of ways. We might get angry, we might cry. And all of that's okay in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, God notices it. God scooches over, sidles up beside them a little closer. In our world, we expect happy-go-lucky, roll-with-it folk. The ones who don't seem to care too much if something changes or if somebody gets hurt or if somebody leaves or if somebody dies. They just, they don't dwell on the past too much. They just keep moving forward. Chin up. Positive out. In the kingdom of heaven, God's totally okay with people mourning and scooches towards them a little and whispers to them, it hurts, doesn't it? Yes, it, it hurts me too. I'm with you on that. This guy even has a thing for the meek. In our world, it's the bold, it's the brash, it's the big personalities that find their way to the top of our social structures, or our corporate structures, or our political structures sometimes. The meek, they just get passed over. They get shunned, they get ignored, or avoided, forgot about, left behind. God notices the meek, the humble, the ones not trying to put themselves at the center of attention. God drifts toward the wallflowers, <coughs> approaches them, invites them. No, no, you belong here. This is your place too. Come on. And says, you're precious. You're included. You don't have to back off. There's no back row in the kingdom of heaven. This God has a special affinity for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and who show forgiveness, mercy. Now, our world is often put off by those who are a little too loud or too pushy about what they think is fair. Or those who ask for a really big change that we know is just impossible. This God promises those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for righteousness, for shalom. In God's community, they'll be satisfied. They won't have to protest anymore. But it won't be the justice sometimes the world likes. You know, where the guilty get what they deserve. This God isn't for that kind of justice, righteousness. This God is crafting a community where justice includes mercy, and mercy is always just. This God appreciates the pure in heart. There aren't any of us like that. But God appreciates it when we look towards that. And this God likes hanging out with peacemakers. Peacemakers are an interesting bunch. They don't enjoy fighting. They don't pick fights. They abhor violence in word or in deed. But they aren't conflict avoidant. They look for disagreements, tensions, issues. And they don't back off from that. They go into that. And they listen. 
and they absorb, and they remind. They walk into the middle of disagreement or tension or issues in God's community, and they try to make peace. Isn't it interesting? There might still be peacemakers in God's community. That means there might still be differences, disagreements, points of tension in God's community. But they won't stay that way. The peacemakers will enter and things will be resolved. Relationships will be healed. And they'll all go to table together. The last one might be the toughest. God sidles up beside those who suffer doing all these wacky kingdom things until it comes. Our world will not often appreciate hearing what breaks our hearts. They won't always appreciate our sharing visions of how the world could be. They might hear that as judgmental of how it is. The world might not always be happy that we're hungering and thirsting for just peace and peaceful justice. Or that we're trying to broker it between people who are sure they are enemies. But when we, his disciples, are who God says we are, there will be resistance. Still, God know and worship in Jesus the Christ sat down with his disciples, and it was his very first sermon with them. So if it was good enough for him, I assumed it was good enough for me today. And he taught them these realities about who they already are. This is how God's community works. And y'all are God's community disciples. This is who we already are. We don't have to strive to become that. It's who we are. Blessed. Because we are the poor in spirit. We are the ones who sometimes mourn. We are the ones who are meek. We hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice, and we show forgiveness and mercy. We strive for pureness of heart, and we enter into disagreements and make peace. May this congregation continue to be so blessed. God, thank you for these blessed gifts and traits. May we each and every day embody them more and more and invite others into this radical reality of your kingdom, a little foretaste of your community on earth as it is already in heaven. Amen. Thank you for sharing this week's scripture and sermon from Presbyterian Chestertown. We hope you found this time comforting and challenging, helpful and hopeful. If you'd like to know more about Presbyterian Chestertown, visit our website, presbyterianchestertown.org. You'll also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. On behalf of Reverend Caitlin and all the members and friends of Presbyterian Chestertown, this is Reverend Joel. May blessing, laughter, and loving be yours.